Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Whitetail Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Canucks beat writer Patrick Johnson. You start off the Under the Microscopes right. uh, series. So in this, we're sort of looking at, you know, ups, downs, pluses, minuses, mm-hmm. like basically looking at players and how they fit. And in looking at some of the first ones that you've done, you mostly handled the defense. Yeah. I started to really, to steal a phrase from someone that we used to work with, ponder <laughs> um, how much upheaval there's going to be on this team. It's a good question. Derek Pouliot was never going to come back. He's gone. Like, that's sort of been officially – I mean, it hasn't been officially announced, but we know that. It's been confirmed. You know, Ben Hutton, it's hard to imagine I, – I think I said it. It's hard to imagine him really coming back given, you know, the need to find holes, their stated desire to bring another defenseman. Uh, but he's still there. They will theoretically have rights to him. I mean, they do have to qualify him. I have a hard time imagining them not doing that just for the fact that that seems like bizarre. Asset management. <laughs> yeah, bizarre management of your players and what you have. I, I, I do wonder if the Canucks are nervous. I mean, they shouldn't be, but whether they're nervous about arbitration with a guy like Hutton because he does have that right. You know, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's played in the NHL. I mean, they handed Eric Branson a three-year contract worth $4 million a year. And I think it's fair to say Hutton's a better defender than Eric Branson. So they've kind of built their own sort of destiny with him if they were going to resign him. So, you know, I, I do find myself wondering if there's a, if there is a, you know, a team out there that could use it. He's realistically, I think I said, he's realistically probably a third pairing defenseman. He's a, you know, guy you can plug in the lineup. And if you have the right partner for him, he'll be fine. Like he's not going to blow you out of the water. He scored, you know, he scored five goals this year. He's not an amazing defensive offensive talent, but I mean, the overall question though is, are they going to change things up? Jim Benning seems to be making it clear. Don't expect me to sign Eric Carlson, okay? But as I've written about on Monday, I don't think you know you should be turning to Tyler Myers as the other guy to chase after. I mean, there's a good argument. I've said it before for Jake Gardner, uh, but you know, I find myself wondering more broadly. You know. Elliot Freeman in 31 Thoughts on the weekend obviously touched on the Canucks. In fact, talk, talked about Edler, Hutton, Tanev. Is it possible only one of those guys is back? You're the expert. Yeah. And we've been kind of going down this path all year. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with the path. I just struggle with the fact that everyone talks about this, the Canucks blue line and how it needs so much work and yeah. how you know they brought the same guys back. And yet that's the part that everyone wants to change so much. And fine, fair enough. Mm-hmm. If you can upgrade all those guys. But yeah, Pouliot's gone. Good Branson's gone. Yeah. 
they don't have a lot of guys in Utica who you could say could step up and be NHL defensemen. You might want to give a couple of guys the shot. We know Quinn Hughes is coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, me is Jet Woo too much of a stretch? No, and then be. and then you look you're looking at free agency. So, like honestly, yeah, it is great to say Tanev, Edler, right. Hutton. Uh, you know, Pouliot's already gone. We know they. You know, guys, like Branson went for a forward. Like, at what point are you replacing? All due respect, Dros with Dros. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand. I mean, the part of that equation is that, you know, maybe they don't resign Alex Edler. Maybe in the end, that Edler says that third year, that desire to not be exposed to uh, the expansion draft in Seattle is, is enough. I mean, it's a weird equation though because you think about Edler, for instance, he doesn't want to go. So if he doesn't get his contract, he's really going to go to free agency and go go somewhere else. I mean, that it's just such a strange sort of logical path he's built for himself. So I, I do have a hard time seeing him going anywhere. But if they don't, they've got to keep Hutton because they need NHL well, bodies. It. Are there enough quality bodies yeah, out and there I think that they could it. acquire? That's, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, there were you know there was a few – Tyson Berry was a name that I – mean, he didn't connect to the Canucks exactly, but Tyson Berry is a name that I think he thinks could be on the move. I mean, I think there are going to be some moves happening. I, I, it's going to be interesting though because there's, there's there's proactive teams now in the NHL that think about this stuff and think down think ahead think down the line and I, I look at that and I say okay does that mean they're going to try to take advantage of the Canucks Canucks do have a ton of cap room they could take in uh, you know they've never shown any real interest in weaponizing that cap space but they could. Yeah, what but was what the, do you get for that? You know? was the, the the Seabrook and the third for the tenth yeah. ridiculousness going around last yeah, week. Yeah, um, yeah. But on that point, it's like. How many guys are out there that you could bring in? Because if you go back, yeah, a guy like Shen was so much, I don't want to say of a, of a success, but he was so much less of a disaster than a Michael Delzato was. Right. And that's you're that's look, the way to frame it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you're, and you're look, well, no, I, and I, sh- I th- actually think that's a little unfair to Shen because I think he was a, for what he was expected yeah, to be. Yeah, but I'm just saying the bar, the kind of the bar was low. At, right? is, so that's my point. getting another Luke Shen, is that better than keeping Ben Hutton? It could be. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I, Shen, Shen is your sixth defenseman yeah. is fine. Uh, you know, you, you probably do better, but as things stand, they have to, you know, part of the challenge is dressing an NHL lineup, and some of that's their own making. Like, they haven't drafted any other defensemen uh, that have really shown any potential to be anything more than kind of a depth guy. Sautner, Ashton Sautner, obviously, you know, came in, did well at the end of the season, and has been a useful player, but he's not a guy that's going to be like, oh my goodness, this guy should be playing more. He probably played just the right amount. Guillaume Brisebois didn't show us anything. Uh, you know, Alex Piego, we know what he is. Yeah. There's there's nobody there's nobody champion the bit. I mean, all you levy is the X factor. The fact that he didn't get it, you know, got hurt and didn't play any games, you know, did throw that part of the plan out of out of alignment. That they did have a sort of vision for this guy being, you know, I think they they see him as being kind of a number three kind of guy. And he's not a top end top pairing defenseman but he's in their eyes should be a good defenseman and we'll see how next year plays out i mean i don't think he's gonna be ready to go to start the season he's gonna have to go to utica he's gonna have to get healthy and go to utica and then come in so you know everything's kind of delayed you would imagine that happens pretty quickly but though. i do imagine it happens pretty quickly because you know at the end of the day he's he's a guy that i mean he's it's what when it's been three years since he was drafted yeah right well it, pl- the opportunities there it, like, the opportunities there. It's been three years since he drafted, and like every other defenseman that was drafted around him has played in the NHL. 
Like he's the, he's the only outlier. Yeah. So you know, I I, I go. I actually you, know, you could say, oh, he's a bust. I mean, I actually go from the standpoint that everybody else has played in the NHL. There's every reason to think he's gonna be fine. I, I think he's gonna be fine. He was playing well enough in Utica. To think. But but at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, how do you actually make this defense better? Or are you just shuffling deck chairs? And and at, they are at serious risk of doing that. I, I think they do need to sit back and say, you know, I think there is that desire to make a big trade. I don't, I don't, I, you know, there's been plenty of chatter, and I think it's makes sense. You, you you know the optics of ownership, right? This is ownership. They have got the draft here. They want to be seen to be making progress. You know, I mean, Benning has been. You know the ownership. Ownership has met with Benning a lot lately. You know they they want to understand what his plan is. They want to see what he's doing. I think you know has been said by many of us out there now. You know they're happy with Jim. They're, re- they're pretty happy with Jim the drafter. They're not happy with Jim the manager. Consensus seems to be um, sign a defenseman, trade for a forward. Do you think that that's just looking at what's available? Do you think think that's the route they'll go or, or vice versa, or it could be either or. Yeah, I, I think it could be either or. I think, you know, it, it is good to realize that they're interested in a guy like Jeff Skinner. Like, Jeff Skinner's a good offensive winger in sort of that right age bracket. You know, he's going to come in. He's going to score some goals. He'll, he's guaranteed to be better than Louis Erickson. I don't mind saying that. Um, yeah, and he comes in. He, he would be great. That would be great for their forward unit. They need a top six winger. He's a top six winger without a doubt. Uh, and yeah, I mean, maybe that means you can then turn around and flip Jake for Tannen and you get some kind of sort of similarly is tantalizing too much of a statement about Jake for Tannen, but a, a guy that's got some skills that you look at and you go, okay, I can see, you know, there, there's some hope there or, or there's something you can spin there <laughs> for anyway. Tannen for Paul Yarvey, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that one because, because the yeah. players in similar age yeah. and, and did, that's not what they need. I mean, Pugliarvi, I think Pugliarvi, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of Pugliarvi. I, I still sort of err on the side of guy got, got so much skill as an 18-year-old. You can't have completely disappeared. Um, I, I, I do think if they trade for Tannen, it's to find a defenseman. I don't know I don't know necessarily where you go find that defenseman. Um, but, you know, Vertanen had a, you know, it's weird. He had such a weird season because he did score 15 goals. I mean, that's nothing to sniff at. And if he hadn't been playing with Brandon Sutter for six weeks or whatever it was, he probably hits 20. That's pretty good. You know, that's, that's mm, a, not for a six overall pick, uh, not for six. I'm just and saying that's, for an that's NHL, that's pretty yeah, good. No, not for six, I mean, obviously, you know, they've, it's a miss on the pick, right? As an NHLer, he's an NHLer. Well, I see. So, but can you, what do you get back for a 20, you know, a guy who's theoretically is a 20 goal scorer? I mean, I th- well, yeah, but I think the issue when you look at Bertanen for me is it's not, I mean, the totals obviously matter to some degree, but it's more that you will see those moments with the speed and the size. Yeah. And you'd go, okay, regardless of what the point totals are, is this an impact NHLer? Because he has moments where he teases you that he could be. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why don't you see that more consistently uh, shift to shift, game to game? And they're sort of at that point as a coaching staff to go, okay, if it's not going to happen here, is it ever going to happen? Well, and I think I said it before. I mean, we heard, I heard from Travis Green describe who he wanted to play with Pedersen and, uh, and Besser. And it wasn't really, it wasn't, it's what you'd maybe like to think Jake Vertanen, but it's not, it's not Jake Vertanen. Yeah. He's not a puck fetcher. He's a shooter. He wants to carry the puck in the zone. Uh, he did show some progress as being a guy that can set up some plays off the wing. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Vertanen is a guy that was always bigger than his, than his peers in junior. 
um, developed because of that, was a star because of that, uh, struggled to transition that to the NHL. Partly, I would suggest, because he's at home. I think that's been a challenge for him. Um, you know, he's like he's he likes playing in Vancouver. Don't get me wrong, but I think I think in the big picture, you know, he's the kind of guy that probably I think playing at home, especially now, you know, with how much money is involved and the sort of twisted incentives that get thrown in because of that. Um, you know, you like to dream that everybody comes in, every player comes in wanting just to win trophies, right? You talk about you know wants to win the Stanley Cup, wants to you know finish first in the division wants to be the scoring leader uh, you know but there is that sort of creep that comes in where you sort of go okay I'm getting paid pretty well I'm doing you know an adequate enough job and that's kind of I mean that's human nature for some people and I think you know what you're running into with with Vertanen is a little bit of that I think the reality is is that you know he especially now like I said he sort of found his groove you know he didn't score a lot but he scored enough to say, okay, well, at least he can, you know, he's he's not a total bust, but he's made the NHL. He's going to stay here for a while because he can score. I mean, look look at the worst-case scenario now is that he turns into Zach Cassian. You know, Zach Cassian doesn't score a ton, but he plays every night for the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, you know, he's become a sort of a useful NHL player. He does enough that he stays in the lineup. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's not a lot to write home about when you're a high draft pick, but that's well, kind of reality. Well, I was going to say, I think that that's – you know, I think for, for Vertanen, you would be looking at um, moving on one or two more times. I mean, that's where Cassian yeah. finally found that comfort zone without the albatross of the, hey, I'm Cody Hodgson or, hey, I'm yeah. a top well, and he has sort of the Sabres. Like too. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's really interesting. When you look at the teams that are left in the playoffs, and, and it is funny, I think, that, you know, after that remarkable first round, uh, and even what we're seeing early in the second, you know, you start to see that level off that – Yes, it was shocking to see, uh, you know, to see Calgary with their record and, and right. maybe even Winnipeg and certainly, obviously, Tampa Bay, uh, Washington. To see that those teams fall by the wayside was a shock. Now you're seeing, okay, yeah, for Columbus, maybe already for Carolina, you know, they do have to go home. You see the clock strike midnight right. for them. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm not writing St. Louis off either, but – here we are staring at perhaps a Boston-San Jose final, which is, you know, two of the teams that maybe weren't top of mind, but were certainly right. in the conversation at the start of the year. Hey, San Jose have gone out and got Carlson to play in this space. Here's Boston, one of the top lines in hockey. Certainly, they proved themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference for, for a long time. So when you look at the Canucks, how far away are they from those being able to compete, compete those teams? I mean, it's fu- the thing that fascinates me about Boston is you talk to you talk to people who look at drafting you know scouts analysts that kind of thing and they'll tell you that boston if if they aren't the best they're one of the best teams who've done in the draft in the last five years which is pretty ironic if you talk about vancouver um they 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 rebuilt their team i mean obviously they still have their leading players who are still at the top of their game but they found a whole bunch of young guys that have come through are now huge contributors on that team Uh, you know you look at the way that team is assembled just line after line of depth uh, well, and Patrick, the way they went from winning the cup in 2011, no, having another yeah. final appearance, yeah. being back there now, I'd say they're 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 the cup favorites right now, obviously. Yeah. And and you know, yeah, you're right. You've got Marshawn and Chara who are holdovers, Bergeron, 
but they've like rebuilt on the oh, fly. Ama- they did an amazing. It's stunning. And, and the amazing thing is, they actually they basically missed on a draft. Like they could have had Matthew Barzell. Yeah. Right. Like they basically missed. They had three picks in a row. And they didn't. You know. They. They. Everyone says they missed on that draft, and that's the amazing thing in the first round. They've done such a good job from top to bottom, and and obviously also have you know helps having you know a handful of Hall of Famers at the top of your lineup. I mean that that that's a huge thing. And took a Rask, who's been this incredible goaltender. Right, I mean, yeah. his his save percentage is what nine twenty three in the regular season. I mean that that speaks to how well he's played, how good the defense has been. You know, if you're talking about how long is until the Canucks are going to get that good, well, tell me, show me which forwards are going to turn into into any of those depth forwards they have. Who's going to be the next Jake DeBrusque? You know, well, I think I think this is where you know twenty eleven really changed the story for this this city and this franchise along the lines that. Um, do you really want to be a Columbus or a New York Islanders and get in the playoffs and pull an upset, yeah. but then really fall off the table? And I think this is really, you know, it used to be, look, I, I'm an old guy. I was around for 82. I was, I was around for 94. Um, I saw those magical runs where the city was just captivated um, with the fact that they actually got off onto something. And, and it was like people would just... They were so excited to go home and watch the playoffs every night. I think 2011 went, no, we, we actually want to win this, right? Yeah. We don't just want to be a good story or have a deep run in the playoffs. We want to win a Stanley Cup. And and so I, I that's where I look at this construction job is I don't even think it's half done yet. No, it's not. And I, I, There's a lot. I mean, to, if you're going to get lucky into the playoffs, okay, great. I mean, talk about 1982 being the ultimate sneaking into the playoffs and then having an, a, just the hottest streak of hottest streaks at the right time and also getting all the right matchups. I mean, that's that's the thing about that team. Yeah, they, they got lucky. But also, when you have five-game series, uh, yeah. a, a hot goalie, yeah. it makes so much more of a difference, yeah. as Brodeur was then, to get to get you going, get you rolling. And that's, you know, that played against the Oilers. Because I don't know, think the Oilers lose that series of seven games. But. <laughs> no, and I think in, at the end of the day, you know, the lesson, again, as I wrote last week, like, it's not just getting in the playoffs. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do again to go. Back, I, I think you know, I think there's a belief from ownership, and I think there's a belief in parts of management. You know, Jim included that. You know, if you get in, okay, well, look what happens. I mean, I, I, you have to look at how those teams are built and how well they played. Like, I, I, all four teams were in the what the top six or seven. I can't remember the number now, but top six or seven in winning percentage since January first. Right, yeah. these were the hottest teams in the league. Right, Columbus is essentially was a bit of a fluke, right? I mean, they built a really strong team, right? They were probably better than their regular season result told us, but they built a strong team. They well, built and they added at the trade deadline. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. They built, you know, they went for it, won two rounds, good for them. Or, sorry, went two rounds, good for them. But are you trying to do that? Is that what you're trying to do? Or are you trying to make the playoffs? And that becomes the question. Are, are you trying to win the cup? Yeah. And that's what Boston has done. You're totally right. That's what Boston has done. I mean, Lightning, the lightning collapse was so shocking. It's it's really too much to kind of contemplate what happened there. But that was a team. Also, they're trying to build a team to win the Stanley Cup, and they they hit they hit the wrong wall, I guess. Um, there are you know the Leafs were trying to they built a team to try to win the Stanley Cup. The Jets. I mean, that was one of the amazing things I found putting together that Myers piece is you start looking at all the pieces they have, and you know. You need to be healthy. You, it, you know, again, 2011, you want to go all the way. Your team has to stay healthy. Yeah. And that's so much Winnipeg's story is that they they had huge pressure on their defense. They lost basically their two most important defensemen uh, for a large part of the year. But you look at the depth of forward. Like Matthew Perot, who's this, you know, would be a second-line 
winger on any other team was essentially playing in a fourth-line role for much of the second half of the season because the Jets had such depth in their bottom six. And so to come back to your original question, how long until the Canucks, again, you know, they need to start finding some of these diamonds in the rough. And, and you know, maybe Cole Lind is that guy, but, you know, what, he scored three goals. As, you know, he, he had a terrible first season in the AHL. Whatever the reason was, whether it was because he didn't get along with the coach or the coach didn't trust him enough or didn't play him enough, whatever it was, you know, the patterns for players who score so little in their first American Hockey League season making the NHL, there's not a lot of them. And becoming regulars, there's not a lot of them. And so that, you know, Jonah Gadget, same kind of question marks now. You know, there's there's not a lot of guys, you know, that are coming up. Tyler Madden, maybe, you know, maybe he comes along. Maybe Will Lockwood, maybe. But, you know, you're you're at this point you're hoping to hit no, you're not gonna hit on every one of these guys because it just doesn't work out that way. Um it's certainly not next year, that's for sure. You know, maybe maybe we can start talking about it two years from now, but at the same time, you've already by that point you've blown your ELCs with with Hughes and and Pedersen, so now you're starting to talk about having to resign those guys and fit everybody else under the cap. And well, that's the thing is when they all come up, when you look at the you know basically you're looking at three seasons in a row that you're yeah. going to be hit with that number. Um, you know, hopefully the cap will go up. I I will say this though, I, I think that. Um, I, I can't I can't go into the details of what I I heard because I was at this meeting at Rogers Arena um, for sort of not promotional but yeah. some sort of content partnerships moving into their fiftieth season for next year and there seemed to be a sense of optimism around the office like from the from the the grassroots up in their building and um, they're obviously very excited with the young players they have they have some really cool stuff from a sort of a fan point of view coming up for mm-hmm. this. This year, um, you know, some of which is, is out there already. But I think uh, I think that there's so many things aligning, Patrick, that this could start to be a good news story again. But the on-ice product has to make that progress. Yeah. And that is making the playoffs. And it is, you know, it's not necessarily winning around, but it's seeing these. And you, you some of the teams you talked about, you look at what the Leafs did. And okay, yeah, they haven't. They've got the longest playoff drought in terms of not winning yeah. a series, but they already had the staples. Got lucky with Austin Matthews, yeah. had made some other good draft picks, but they went out and they got John Tavares. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of to borrow the phrase from Mike Gillis, the bold moves that Canuck fans are going to need to see because it's not, it's not just throwing seeds in a garden and waiting for them all to grow to see your harvest at the end of the year. It's like there needs to be work, continual hard work creative, challenging thought done by the front office to make sure that you get those pieces, that you get that steal, that you the free agent signing is not a Louis Erickson, yeah. but it's rather an impact player. Or that you will give up something to get something. That's the other thing. I, and that's that's why there's so much I think that's going to happen over the next six weeks. You know, you know, because of all that, because there is a sense broadly in that organization of, you know, if we're really going to sell hope, we need to show progress, right? Which was the angle that they you know, were trying to push all this season. And, and you know, at least points-wise, they delivered. They at least were better than the year before. You know, they were, quote-unquote, in the playoff race for some amount of time. It was always going to be a long shot. But from their perspective, if they're trying to sort of say, listen – we're trying to set a standard. And I talked about low bars. I mean, they did the, the <laughs> bars, you know, the bar was pretty low coming into this season. And Elias Pettersson changed some of that. Quinn Hughes, you know, if he 
assuming he prog- has progress. I mean, we saw a lot from him already. He's going to he's gonna make that better. I mean, both those guys, a year older, you know, Pedersen didn't want to talk about it at the end of the year, but you knew he was feeling tired. It was, it's The travel takes a lot out of you. The, the the pace of the schedule takes a lot out of you. It's not, you know, he, he would say, oh, well, I was used to, you know, playing a lot of games and traveling in Sweden. It's like, yeah, you played twice a week at most, you know, like you took a bus yeah, to a lot of your games. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. You know, that takes a, that, there's a big difference. Um you know, even if you are just like, well, the flights are only a couple hours when they go on one of those bigger Eastern Road Street, it doesn't matter. Like, you're coming off the ice, you're getting on a plane, you're flying somewhere new. Like, that's that's tough. That's a tough thing to handle. It's not good for your body. Um, you know, so he'll he'll learn to manage that better. Quinn Hughes is going to be a challenge for him next year. Uh, you know, so then you look, yeah, and you, you look and you say, okay, there's progress there. There's going to be progress there. I think Besser, Besser sort of, you know, insists He's going to come back healthier and fitter and and ready to go on so many levels. And, you know, that maybe he will. And if that works out, that's great. But there's still, you know, gaps in that lineup. And, you you know, Adam Gaudet is a guy we haven't talked a lot about. But Adam Gaudet's got a, you know, he... he, He's got a lot to show, I think. I think he he he's going to have to make a big step up next year. I think if that if that really is going to be progress because otherwise, you know, your top two lines as we saw down the stretch, they they start running out of steam and and other teams know how to prepare. Everyone's everyone's learning all the time. It's not just your team improving. So. Why? Well, and I think we saw that in the first round of the playoffs that um the quality of the hockey just got amped up. Yeah. So you're right. Like as you met, as you referenced earlier, all those teams that kind of shocked us in the first round had been amongst the NHL's best over the last couple months of the season. But yeah. the leap, the intensity, the speed, the violence, and the the games in the first round, mm-hmm. um, and, and that probably is to be fair. That's a learning process. This team's going to have to go through that to experience it a little bit. You know, there's not a lot of playoff experience now on this team, so I guess that's why they got Jay Beagle. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's like I said, it's going to be an interesting six weeks. You know that, you know that ownership wants to see something big happen. That that, that there's something there they want to sort of build on last year's buzz, and uh, you know, I I I, they're talking to Jim. You know, like the pressure's on. The pressure's on Jim Benning, and Jim. I mean, Jim knows it too, right? I mean, he's got a year. He wants a new contract. If he's going to win an extension, he's got to. He's going to have to. He's going to have to show the ownership something, and that that's, you know, that's 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 a double-edged sword right there for you. You know, like Benning wants the team to win. He wants the team to get better, but he hasn't shown a whole lot of success using that sword. Well, before. And this is, that that's that's the overall question yeah. for ownership is at what point if a guy knows there's pressure on him to yeah. win. At what point does he maybe, I'm not even saying desperate, but may risk a little bit more in a bigger move than he normally would have because he knows he doesn't have the luxury of time. That the time's running out, I got to do this now. And then you're looking at, may, like, I, I think, ideally for me, if the draft wasn't in Vancouver, I think this 10th pick would be on the table. I really do because I look at what you're going to get there um, and whether you're packaging that to move up or you're going to look for futures, maybe right. getting but I just think with a draft at home, we know they want the show. I just think it has. Could you work. imagine not walking up there on a Friday night because you traded your first your first round pick? Well, and they've 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 said all along that they will not do that, right? Yeah. And part of that no. is the reason why. Yeah. But how about walking up to the podium and saying you've traded the 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 first round pick for yeah. a young superstar? 
uh, yeah. or budding super whatever it is. I just don't think it'll happen now. But I think if this was anywhere else, it's the sort of thing where a GM who knows he has to win now uh, with that tenth pick. I may be th- two to three years away from seeing that benefit. I need something now. So, it, and that's the question for ownership: is you know, if we're at this point next year. Maybe you sneak into the playoffs. If you don't, then I think Benning's really in trouble. But even if you do, then is the temptation to do something that way to kind of speed things up here a little bit. But. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think it also comes back to that question of who, in the end, is making the shots, calling the yep. shots. And well, we that that's right? always been the big question, you know, and that that's something that Gillis in the end ran into at the end, and you know, theoretically, that's Trevor Linden was hired to make the calls, and Trevor Linden's not there anymore, and yeah, you know, Jim Benning, I'm sure, is hearing from the owner a lot. And uh, anything else from your notebook? I think, I think that's about it for now. I mean, I, you know, I, well, actually, I was going to mention, I, I mentioned at the end of the story about Myers, I, you know, I referenced Dave Nonis, who was under pressure, yeah. you know, was told by his board of directors, who's the biggest splash free agent we can land? And he said, it's probably David Clarkson. And, you know, I bet you, you know, I, I don't know Dave Nonis, but I, I have a feeling that if he were asked if he had been able to make that decision with no pressure whatsoever from man, from ownership, would he have necessarily made that signing? I'm not sure he would, but there was pressure from ownership, and it was one of those ones you want to keep your job. Sometimes you got to tell those guys what they want to hear. It's not that dissimilar to the Lucic and Erickson yeah. signings here, and that's pressure from yep. management to bring in another piece through free agency. And yep. if and the big if the crop that year isn't that great, then the prices are going to go up. That's how free agency and, works for the play in the players' benefit. This year, there do seem to be more appetizing names out there. And why McCann and Brutanen were kept here. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, lot, lot, lots happening, lots to watch, I think, coming up in the next six weeks. Yeah. Um, but just before we go, I know that, uh, you know, and certainly listeners to uh, our podcasts over the years uh, got to know Jason Botchford. We are off tonight to an event at uh, Rogers Arena um, that was sort of honor Jason, I believe. Uh, Jeff Patterson, his podcast host, which was, of course, born here at the province, um, will will emcee and uh, – Look, we could probably sit here for a couple hours and tell yeah. stories about about Jason. The one thing that I will say is, um, and this is not a condemnation of anyone else, but uh, sports journalism in any way, in many ways, it's it's very easy to mail it in. Um, every day is another game. Every day is another practice. Every season is the same as the last one, and it's very easy to just kind of, oh yeah, this is formulaic. I know how to do this. This will be easy. Um, you know, the very few guys I've met in this business, uh, as someone who's his boss and was notoriously difficult to handle at times, uh, that cared about you or the business. Him. Yeah, him. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Jason took Jason. If I, I'm going to mix metaphors all over the place here, Jason hit a lot of home runs for me. I took some bullets for him, and that was good because that was the way that he operated. And um, I, you know, I Jason cared. And he cared about the story. He cared about the readers. Um, and I think that's that's really what made him what he was and why he had such a connection with the fans. He really thought like a fan. Like, you know, we know he was a sports fan. He was a great journalist. I mean, again, I think some of the most impressive work I saw him do was on Luke Bourdon's death. He hadn't been on the Canuck beat very long. I think it was his first year. And he automatically flipped into that hard news type of mold. But Jason... When we he came up with things like the Provies or our new, not that what we learned is new, everyone's sort of doing it, but the way it fit into our yeah. mold to deal with our deadlines. Like Jason cared about the fan experience and was thinking like, how can I deliver what I did? So, you know, he is a tremendous loss. I'm still shocked and stunned by it. I know you wrote a bit of a personal blog about it. So, you know, um, 
still thinking of him and it's just very strange not having him around it's it's definitely gonna be weird i mean i um obviously i've said a lot i tweeted a bit about it in, in initially and then yeah i wrote a, a personal thing the other day but uh i think the thing that um is is sticking with me that maybe i haven't mentioned too much is uh a, a lesson i learned you know three or four years ago when david carr the new york times media critic passed away and um you know i had an email in my drafts folder that i thought about sending it was sort of a question about sort of the future of media that kind of thing kind of thing that i was thinking about i never sent it and you know i find myself thinking of sort of questions i had that you know maybe i i decided not to ask in the moment or i deferred on or or what have you and i realized in hindsight that you know that they were they were the kinds of things that <laughs> botch was talking to everybody about and that you know there were a lot of things that, you know i went back and looked at a lot of my a lot of our exchanges you know whether it's texts or you know on twitter or whatever you know messages between each other and you know the the sort of willingness to talk about a lot of stuff and i i you know i i find myself thinking that's a lesson you know you know as someone who's still you know i may not be young personally but still relatively young journalist there's a lot of questions that you just just ask people what do you think about this what do you think about that and there's a lot to be learned and um you know there so I, you know there are things i kind of wish now you know i didn't ex- you know obviously didn't expect you know that i wouldn't have uh, much time with 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 jason on the beat but uh, yeah there's you know ask those questions there's people you know you know you know friends family if there's something you're curious about ask the question because it's it's a funny business you know yeah. when i when i first got moved over to sports here in the mid 90s yeah. from news cuz i'd st- i start off in news as well um, the guy I was working with on a beat in sports would not share numbers of players right. with me. Right. Um, saw me as a threat rather than right. a teammate. And I experienced a lot of that when I first mm. came over. Mm. It was very much a, you have to pay your dues, but right. also an old boys club. And Jason was never like that. Jason yeah. hated the old boys club more than anything. And that's why he had so many celebrated media feuds in this town was he didn't want to be told that his voice didn't count or that the fans' voice didn't count just because he hadn't been doing it long, as long as the other guys. Yeah, and that's a great point, Patrick. And I, you know, I know I see a lot of guys have put that out there. You know, for myself, it's been more on the editing end of it. But if anyone is new in this yeah. business or has questions, there's certainly, I'd be, I'd love to help them out. And I know you've said the same for yeah. writers. I mean, you're you talk about yourself being young, but. <laughs> You've covered a full-time hockey beat now for a year. Yeah. That's a veteran. I did learn something, yeah. 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 I, I don't mind saying that. So. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to do these sporadically. As as always, the, the Whitetail Podcast, you can subscribe through uh, Apple Podcasts. We'll be doing them sort of here and there as news takes us up into the draft and then obviously have blanket coverage at the draft with it being here in Vancouver and then in free agency. So um, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.